Hi, Pastor Greg here. I'm the pastor of the Jordan Assembly of God Church in Jordan, Montana. I'm very excited to introduce a brand new series, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Thank you so very much for being a part of this podcast and listening to this. I hope that you enjoy this series. So without further introduction, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Well, we are in part 15 of Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. And the title of this one is, Who Do You Say I Am? And we're going to be going through a lot of really, just a a lot of really cool things. Um, So we're going to have a lot of fun with this one. So the verse that I'm in this morning is Matthew 16 and goes 13 through 17. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Lord God, we just want to come before you right now. We want to thank you for everything that you're doing and who you are. And I pray, Father, that we may just have a wonderful, wonderful time worshiping you, glorifying you, and learning from your word. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. So today we are going into, we finally moved on. We went from the side note of this series. um, And as you can already tell in this series, I love side notes. Um, And and, uh, we did infinite God, infinite grace and mercy, infinite prayer and worship. And last week we did infinite Messiah. And... um, one of the one of the major things about last week that we wanted to start, and I really hope that you could just continue, and I encourage you to continue. We kind of face some of those dark doors, and just remember that when God is is leading you through, and you have all this strength to go through the the ordeal of whatever you're going through. Be aware that if you try and shirk from that door, you'll find yourself wasting your time in um, in sins that you go back and forth, the comfortable sins of your life. And because that energy that God is giving you to face what you don't want to face, to deal with what you don't want to deal with, to be the person that God is creating in you to be, that energy has to go somewhere. And if it doesn't go where God is directing, then it always, always goes towards that comfortable sin. That sin that you always turn to, that thing that is the most comfortable for you. And not everybody is the same. It's not the same. You can look at a person and you can say, well, I don't have an issue with that. What's your problem? But you have an issue with something else. And so it always goes around in this merry-go-round of sin of, doing the sin, asking for forgiveness, and you find yourself feeling okay because what? I did something wrong, now I'm asking for forgiveness. And so you have that elation of being forgiven. So you have that, but 
it's not God's purpose for your life. He's giving you an energy to take on those things. So my encouragement to you is to keep on facing the, whatever those areas are in your life and keep on going through. There was also something before I go into today's deal and, and Anne was saying, we're moving on. <clears throat> and here I am still in the side note. Um, but there, there's one thing that I was, I was talking with Pastor Jeremy Stradley. He's the, he's the gentleman that has filled in for me occasionally. He's in Miles City. We were talking and we were sharing some of our, uh, our things that were going through life or whatever. And he said in the midst of the conversation, because I brought up the fact that God says that a broken heart and a contrite spirit, God will not despise. And that I will never forget the day that in, in adult Bible you know, Sunday school, Ruth South looked up what contrite meant. And contrite means a willingness to change. So it's a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And, and what's interesting is that Pastor Jeremy looked at me and he said, he said, you know what's interesting about that, Greg? He said that basically what, what that's saying is, is that not only do you need to know that something is wrong, you need to agree that it is wrong. I want you to listen to that. It's not just to know something is wrong, but that you agree with God that it is wrong. Oh, I know it's not something I'm supposed to do, but. Right? I'm not supposed to do this, but really... And then fill in whatever blank excuse that you have. I've had many of them. If you need some, give me a call. I can definitely give you some. Okay? But if you agree that it is wrong with God, then that means that you have stepped into that arena with God the Father and you are agreeing that it is wrong. And the more I thought about that, I was like, man, I never, I never, this is just this last week, I, I, I had taken my expedition in because the blower went out on it. Don't even ask me the price on that one. That was a, that was a, that was a, that was a fun deal. Total complete sideline. But as I'm there, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm having lunch with Pastor Jeremy and, 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 he's, and he's telling me this and I'm like, why have I never thought of it that way before? It's like probably because I wasn't ready to hear it that way before. And now I am. So if this encourages you in whatever area you are, knowing it is wrong, great. Can you agree with God that it is wrong? Can you step into that arena and say, you know what? I need to live the changed life, not just talk about it. Right? Your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Love that song. And we'll never forget that. In today's portion, we're moving on. And in this portion, we're going to be kind of stepping back a little bit um, because we're going to be dealing with 
the name of Jesus. And I know that we kind of several, several months ago, we kind of dealt with that. I'm going to re-enter that, that um, arena just for a little, for this, for this study. Because a name means a lot, right? A name means a lot. Um, to such an extent, it generates a reputation. Sometimes a name can even carry on to a totally, completely different person. Well, I'm not going to name my child blah because that reminds me of this person that treated me blah. Or you meet a person with the same name of a person who frustrated you. Or you, the exact opposite, not wanting to give you know credence to good or credence to bad only. But like if you have this name, oh, I like that name because it is associated in your mind and in your heart with something that is good. Okay. Would it shock you to realize that there are some people that associate God's name with bad in their hearts and minds? Just a little side note. So when you talk to somebody about God the Father, have a sensitivity of the Spirit when you're talking to a person like that? Just saying. So, but a name is specific. Here's something rather intriguing. God's name, actual name, is given 6,823 times in the scriptures. Not his title, his actual name. His name, many years ago, many, 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 many years ago, was removed because man decided that it needed to be, they, they were worried, and they gave all these reasons. One of the major reasons that I had heard when I was growing up as a child, one of the major reasons I had heard was that they were worried about them misusing the name of God and thus dying, because remember, if you misspeak the name of God, that person dies. That's one. Um, enunciation, and we're going to be seeing this a little bit here in a little bit, but... If you put God's name back in the scriptures the way it was specifically, you start getting new information when it comes to it. Now, this is in no way, shape, or form is this like, oh, you're going to get saved again or anything about salvation. It is about the little things that it clarifies when it comes to certain things. Okay? His name, known as a tetragrammaton, I do believe I enunciated. Doug, does that sound about right? Okay, cool. Is made up of four letters. Y-H-W-H, if you wouldn't mind. Y-H-W-H. The letters sound out Yod, Hey, Wah, Hey. Have you ever heard Yahweh? That's a, a common name. <clears throat> You say, Greg, well, that Y is this way, but the Y is over on the right. Well, in Hebrew, you read right to left. You don't read left to right. And that is the reason why. And so, <clears throat> pardon me. This is one of the closest enunciations that we can do is Yahweh. Now, some people have done different. <clears throat> A title also used is Elohim which we have 
looked at as Lord or God actually is translated as mighty ones. And it is plural. Elohim covers the fact. Now, see, if I were to say gods in English, you're automatically going to think of Greek gods or somebody other than God, right? Well, Elohim is a plural word that covers, and there's only one Elohim, but it, that plural word covers God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Okay? No way. Now, what's the point? Hang on with me for just a little bit and we will get there. This Elohim is sometimes shortened. A shortened version of, of it you'll find in the scriptures is L, E-L. You'll just find it as E-L in the scriptures. The difficulties with Godhead 3 and 1 is kind of basically answered with Elohim. Now, when we see Exodus chapter 3, looking at verses 14 through 15, if you don't mind, and we compare, there's a version of scriptures that puts God's name back into place. And if we compare, and God said, and this is, this is the New King James Version, version in verse 14, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. But if you put God's name back in, what you find is in verse 15, it says, and Elohim, said further to Moshe, which is Moses, thus you are to say to the children of, of Israel, Yahweh Elohim of your father, the Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Yitzhak, and the Elohim of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my remembrance to all generations. So if you put that in there, and you understand that this is the name of God and how he actually set, states it. This is my name forever and forever shall be used. Yahweh. And that's where we get that. Okay. Now, I want you to pay attention to the spelling. And I think the next slide actually reveals this as well. I want you to pay attention to the spelling of Israel in English versus how it's spelled and how, it, how it's enunciated. Notice that the L is separate. It gives a separation, which means God is being Elohim is in the name. L is in the name. Okay. So, Israel means God contended. The patriarch Jacob was given the name Israel triumphant with God, who prevails with God. Okay? Now, if we look at Isaiah 7, 13 through 14, I don't know if I have that up there or not. Do I? No, I do not. But if you'll turn over to me, with me, to Isaiah 7, 13 through 14, 
Then he said, Hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, if you notice the E-L at the very end, notice that if you, I think it's the very next slide, I'm hoping that it's the next slide, there it is. Emmanuel, Emmanuel. So if you look at the the way the Hebrew actually writes it in English, you'll notice that God is indicated in the name. So Matthew 1, 21 through 23, and she shall bring forth a son. This is Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Okay? So you have Emmanuel. Now how do we get Jesus? Okay? We have the combination of that that Jesus's name or his title or was Emmanuel, right? So, mighty one. His name in Hebrew was Yeshua, and I do believe you'll bring that up, please. Is Yeshua? This is it in Hebrew. Now, remember, you're reading from right to left. You're not reading from left to right. Notice the dots. Those, by the way, are enunciation dots. Those are sounds that are supposed to be held in a certain way. Did you remember that in Yahweh, those were not there? Right? And those were removed as well, kind of like the way God's name was removed. It was removed so that people, that enunciation, the worry and concern that people would misuse God's name and thus would die. Okay. Now, Yeshua, if you translate, if you go into the next slide, Yeshua tra translated directly to English is actually Joshua. So where do we get the name Jesus? Okay. So next. Yeshua translated to Koine Greek is Zeus, and I may have enunciated that wrong. Translated from Koine Greek to English is Jesus. So that's how we get the name Jesus when we say the name Jesus. This is how, this is the steps that was taken in order to get to get it. So if you look up definition of Jesus and you look it up, you'll it goes right back to it. But it's a translation of a translation. Okay. So his name is Yeshua because he was given a Hebrew name. He was born Jewish. But we get Jesus from the Greek translation of Yeshua is where that comes from. Now, the, the thing about it is, is that Yeshua, Yahweh, and Yeshua in Hebrew makes sense. So when you go and you're saying, okay, because like, all right, so my name is Greg Wolf. That identifies me with my dad 
in Washington it, and identifies me with that family. Greg Wolf, it identifies me as that. Dick O'Connor, right? Bill Helm. Yeshua, Yahweh, identifies Jesus as being. It's an identifier. And we talked about prophecy and we talked about the importance of prophecy. Jesus also said, not one jot or tittle shall be removed from the law to all be accomplished. He was very, very specific when it came. And God was very specific to name. So that's where we get the link. So honestly, until I was really, really starting to dig into this and really, truly understand exactly where we get where it is, using using the name, because I heard people using Yeshua. I always grew up with people using Yeshua. But I was hearing Jesus, I'm like, how do you get that from that? Well, this answers that question. This answers that question. Yeshua means salvation. So to summarize, the point. You're like, Greg, finally the point. Okay, I got it. Okay. Give me a sec here. The identity of our Messiah and the fact that the Messiah was God is in the name Emmanuel. He shall be called Emmanuel. He should be called Yeshua. He should be called Jesus. Okay? It's no problem however you want to actually say it. Jesus is our salvation. He, his very name indicates his purpose, our salvation, our redemption, our redeemer. So when we say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, we're saying way more. We're, we're identifying, when we're acknowledging the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, when we're acknowledging the fact that the Son of God is there, we are adopted into a family through the precious blood of Christ. And so when you start to actually line this up, you get there. John 14, 1 through 9. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? That's an interesting question. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father tied together. My, my Father, God the Father, I am his Son. Linked. It is in my name. And the reason why his question is so very interesting is because in Hebrew, he would have actually already known that. He would have known Emmanuel. He would have known the connection. If you had known me, you would have known my father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is sufficient for us. So never, ever, ever get to the point of like wondering and thinking, man, I just don't get it. He was right there with the Lord. He was right there with Jesus, and he was still not getting it. 
And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So you can. So how can you say, show us the Father? If you know me and you know my name, he who acknowledges his name. Matthew 16, 16. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go up. I'm going to get context here. In verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? There's something about identity. There's something about the name. And you're saying, well, Greg, why are you doing the service? Why are you talking about the name of Jesus? Why are you talking about the name of God? Because it's in the Bible. It's in the scriptures. He who calls upon his name. It's right there. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, very specifically, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's very interesting that only God can actually reveal. It's very interesting that God is the one that draws. It is very interesting that God is the one that puts his name written in the very DNA structure of your life. So that when you hear about Jesus, when you hear, it's not blind faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing that of the word of God. It is not blind faith. It's when you hear the truth of Jesus, it rings true in your heart. When you hear the truth of the name, it rings true. Why? Because of the connection is in God Almighty. It is in the Mighty One. So maybe maybe you might go through this day and it's like, well, that was really kind of interesting, Greg, but you know, that's awesome. And if that's all you get out of it, that's cool. But there is something in me that says that God who designed it all and he stamped his name everywhere you go. So if you want to look at it and you want to go and you want to find that, it's there. It's in the name. So whether or not you use Jesus, or not you use Yeshua, it's in the name. Where does my salvation come from? Where does my Redeemer come from? It's in the name. I don't have to have anything else. It's in the name. If you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. It's in the name. The connection with God the Father. When I come at stuff, remember, remember yesterday we talked about how did they defeat them? They defeated them by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Well, what's my testimony? 
Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, died on the cross for my sins that I might be saved. That's my testimony. That is where I am at. Where's my testimony? My testimony is literally in reference to the blood of the Lamb. So if they cast him out by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, it's not just the fact that the blood of the Lamb is there. It's the fact that I'm testifying to the fact that the blood of the Lamb is there. And I believe in the blood of the Lamb. So where does my new life come from? My life comes from because I believe in the Christ, the Messiah. I believe in the salvation. And how does Jesus say that we should pray? Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I love how he says Father, and I also love in Romans, and I know I've indicated this before, but I really truly want your brain to launch into this because the only way that you can call God Father and really truly actually understand this, the only way that you can do that is by the Spirit of God. It is by the very Spirit of God that we actually call God Father. So if you go to prayer and you're saying Father, you understand that the only reason you can identify him as a Father is because the Spirit within you. Demons already know about God. Demons already know about Jesus. We know him as a father. If indeed you've accepted and acknowledged Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah in your life. So this all journey is pointing out the fact of where things are, where we get certain things. Also not to mention, if you are ever in wondering exactly why or want to converse about why the name was removed, how that all is, it's a very interesting conversation and it's a very interesting journey. If you're like, well, Greg, I think you're flying off the rails here. Every single thing that I actually preached on here today, you can back it up. I can take you through the documentation. I can take you through my research. I can take you through every single thing that I actually walked in order on this journey. Now, I had learned about this when I was a child, but I hadn't really dug into it. And it was just as I was doing, this was just impressed upon my heart, and I just started actually going through it and started digging into it. And it's very, very, very interesting, especially when you think that over 6,000 6, times God's actual name was used in the Bible itself. It gets very interesting when you start actually doing that. Is this, is this anything big? No. Honestly, if you were to take the, that translation and take the King James Version, very little to nothing has changed. One of the major differences is that what you'll find is you'll find the actual God's name in the Word. In the Word. And really, all the information is the same. It's just putting back I repeat, putting back what was taken out. It was originally in there. So, let's pray. Father, we just come before you right now and we want to thank you for who you are and what you do. We want to thank you for everything and how you walk us through. I pray, Father, that we may just have a wonderful, wonderful time today and that we may fellowship and that we may just trust in, in you and trust through Jesus and trust in the blood of the Lamb that was shed for our sins. And I pray, Father, that you be glorified in our hearts and in our minds. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and taking the time. I hope that you enjoyed this series. 
If you would like to follow this podcast as well as other podcasts, you may go to agjordanmt.com. I hope you have a wonderful day.